Welcome to Storyhouse, the weekly brand and digital direction show for CEOs, CMOs, and business owners. I'm your co-host Barry Chandler here with Brad Sarconi. Today's chapter is chapter number eight, the six steps in building lean brand growth, which is essential for every business. We've talked about it a lot in chapter six, uh, which uh, broke down the uh, three uh, grand elements of building a brand. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper here now into the six steps of building a lean brand. So, Brad, can you could you start by maybe elaborating on what is a lean brand? Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, brands t- to survive have to be lean. And by lean, what we mean is efficient. Balancing what we talked about in Chapter 7 of this idea of expression, the brand expression, the brand experience, and branded expectations. Those uh, three pillars, when they are aligned with one another, create a hell of an efficiency. An efficiency that creates things such as brand momentum. It creates attraction in the brand. It creates enthusiasm in the brand, whether that's through its own energized differentiation or feedback through consumers' expectations of, um, I just went and did this. Uh, everyone else should go check it out. That enthusiasm, they are not paying for, right? This is not the old day of advertising where, where they say, oh, we're, we're, we're just gotten, you know, not getting enough engagement. Buy another slew of ads. Rather, this participation, the third pillar we talked about in consumer expectation, almost helps pay down. It doesn't almost. It buys down the cost of advertising. Why? Shared truisms, shared stories, shared love affairs about brands are out there every day, helping those brands stay um, uh, growing forward and growing lean. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And this this notion of lean brand, of course, is is we hear the term lean a lot more. We hear of the lean startup. We hear of lean business. We hear of all kinds of lean. It, it, it can become a bit of a buzzword, but I think it's super important on the brand side, and we don't hear very often on building a brand. Uh, and it, I think this is something kind of unique that there is a process in actually building a lean brand that is that allows you to build a successful brand efficiently and profitably, and not having to wait to learn from very expensive mistakes mm. or for something to uh, pers- for something to exist for so long at a huge cost to you that you've lost so much money in building this brand. So this, this notion of having a formula and there's, there's six steps, I think is going to be very helpful for business owners. Yeah, and the latter example that you just gave, um, I can think in, in our early days of the agency of so many brands that, that we help position, but I, I would say that we, in a way, wanted to be too many things to too many people, and we were creating fat brands, not lean brands. We learned later. We learned a year and a half later collectively between the client and ourselves that though the brands are great and have matured, um, they have simplified them, themselves. And, and really, I think the word we should talk about in business in brand, in business building and brand building, there's a simple word here and as we get into these six steps. And, and I want you to think about that when we go through these. And that's the idea of productivity. How do we keep this brand productive? Right, and you do that through this idea of lean brand growth. And the first, the first step of lean brand growth uh, is the time to sit back and reflect. And by that mean, you know, we mean philosophize, 
What is the philosophy of the, ban- the, the, the brand itself? Um, there are so many wonderful brands out there that you should ask yourself, would I like the brand as much? Would I experience the brand the way I do? Would I buy it as often if I didn't know what its philosophy was, if I didn't know what it stood for? Do we mean, when we say philosophy, is that the same as brand essence? Yes, it, it, yes, it, it can be. It doesn't have to be as forward-facing as, as a brand essence, but yes, very similar to that. What are the, what's the philosophical driver behind the brand? Okay. And is that philosophy um, embraced by the consumer, the listenership, whoever you are um, uh, interfacing with? Because without that philosophy, um, the idea of connecting in an efficient way can't happen with the um, um, as expeditiously, when we're talking about lean growth, as expeditiously as um, you know it, it would if, if, if the brand if the brand entirely lacked a philosophy. You need that philosophy as a catalyst for connectivity. And can you give an example of a philosophy? And I'm going to bar you from using Apple because I've just realized we use it for everything we do. Yeah, <laughs> we keep yeah. talking about Apple. Uh, but what's a good philosophy that, that somebody can understand? Um, well, let's take a very, very simple one. Like AAA. Here's AAA uh, in the days when your cars come with all kinds of add-on features, warranties, there are third-party people, um, vendors out there saying that they can do this for roadside side assistance. So it has a, AAA has this heritage of trust, it, a place it comes from. So a few years back, their, their philosophy um, was encapsulated in a campaign um, which, which positioned the brand as the um, car or as the, um, you know, the road trip su- uh, supporter of the American driver. So the philosophy in the brand was we've been here forever. We're always going to be here. We're going to be here when you need us. And we, like you, are American. So that idea as, as a philosophy creates an emotional connection and attraction. If that wasn't part of their business model and it was based on price and quickness, they're not, they're not talking about that, but they're talking about, if they were talking about those kinds of attributes, then that would be a different emotional philosophy that we would engage in the brand. Instead, they played on legacy and the idea of uh, the great American dream to travel, American adventure, and keeping us safe. No, it makes a lot of sense. So once you have this philosophy and once you philosophize your brand, what do you do next? The next step is, you know, productization or the idea of, you know, how do we productize the offering? Um, and, and oftentimes brands can have um, a wonderful uh, philosophy. They may even have a beautiful business model. But if it is not productized in a way that both sales, operation, or I should say not both, but sales, marketing, and operations can get behind uh, in a product service package or the idea of productizing this, um, this innovation, this uh, uh, specific tangible good, uh, that has to be bundled in a way that is consumable, buyable by the marketplace. Okay. So after, after this idea of creating a philosophy, the next, the, the next thing we would do is make sure that we have a product that is positioned in a way, first of all, do we have a, a group, a, a product or a group of products together in a portfolio that can be sold? 
that's on the most basic the most basic sense of it but then is it something that can that can connect with the consumer in in a, in a meaningful way right so a differentiated offering uh, that is also influenced and driven by the brand philosophy and that brand essence that's right and 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 is truly a product that you always talk about that's differentiated and valued mm-hmm. um you know, and, and it doesn't have to be complicated. You can watch late night TV and see the next new, you know, um, 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 easy, easy um, recoiling hose, right, for, for lawn care. Well, they understand That's how— That's an amazing hose, by the way. <laughs> and I it don't have one. It fits in your pocket. But it, but it does. <laughs> it fits in your front pocket. <laughs> but the point about that is they are quickly— Bringing a simple. Now, I wouldn't say that they did a great job on the philosophical side, but they don't. Maybe they don't need but to. But they don't need to. And so you don't have to have all of these six steps that we're going to talk about today to to create lean brand growth. But if you did, if you had to incorporate all of them, you certainly could. And I would argue too, with something like that hose, they're maybe not going for lean brand growth. They're just going for growth. Now it's a very expensive process to do late night TV as seen on TV. The guy who invented that is making a tiny margin. It's not very lean, yeah, right? Right. So right. that's where the philosophy, I guess, hasn't played in. Right. That's right. understandable. Okay. So next, once you have that, so you've got your philosophy, you've got your your product set. Operationalizing that is obviously the next step in our process. Right. And obviously, this is one of um, you and I have talked about this at different chapters and. Um, uh, many times you can have a wonderful uh, portfolio of products. You can have the perfect uh, sales engine to drive those products. But as you know, um, one of the most dangerous parts of, of business growth that determines whether it will be lean or fat is the ability for it to be operationalized in an efficient manner. So does that mean just getting it out to the, co- the, the consumer, distributing it, or them being able to interact with it how would how would that work in a real world yeah example? great point i think it's all three of those it's getting it out to the customer it's um bringing orders in or bringing suppliers in from vendors so think to yourself walmart and amazon look how they have operationalized from productizing right and they have specific philosophies if we go backward to the three things that we've just talked about so um, on the oper- on the operation side, you know, h- how do you create relationships with vendors that create lean your ability to, to, to grow lean? How you get that product? Obviously, Amazon has reinvented this. Uh, how you get that product to a, a customer? How do you operationalize that? Um, how do your teams interface internally that the customer never sees? How well is that operationalized? We often forget about Walmart as being a brand leader because we tend to dismiss it as just being, oh, that's just a really cheap place to get things. But sure, it is. That's part of their philosophy. Right. But they they revolutionized, even long before Amazon, they revolutionized operations. They had to because of the size of their growth. But they would, and they still do this to this day, if you're a supplier or vendor to Walmart, you have to supply them with a toll-free number that they can call you. Because even in their head office, they don't want to pay for a phone call to call you. You talk about lean right, efficiency. Right, I mean, right, there's so right. many examples of Walmart in, insisting that even their C-level executive travel coach, they share hotel rooms. They only travel when absolutely necessary. It's unbelievable how lean they are. Now, lean bordering on psychotically stingy, but right, right. It's, uh, it's interesting to see. But they would argue, 
that uh, psychotically stingy is a way to keep their promise about value to the customer, That's right? That's true. Which is their philosophy. Because they do only have, I think, ultimately like a 2% net margin. Well, and, 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 so, and so there, while we might, you see just what we're having in this conversation, you see how on the one hand we are judging the brand and, and, and yet the brand could, could speak back to us and say, with a smile and a wink, <laughs> right? saying, sorry guys, I'm just keeping my promise. And, and, and therefore, we respect the hell out of that brand. Well, yeah, they get the last laugh here. Let's they, face it. Th- that's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So this idea of operationalizing is, is, is key to, to any business. And it, could, it can and does infect the way the product is felt. The way the consumer feels about the product can be um, a sense of oper- uh, you know, the sense of way the product has been oper- operationalized prior to coming there. In other words, it's funny Nowadays, 10 years ago, all of a sudden, you know, my daughters are coming home and there's a package by the door. There's a package here. There's a package there. Right. And that's a that is the operational landscape of how we do retail today. You and I were laughing the other day that we have suit coats and and jeans on by companies that we can't get to. Right. (laughs) But we get them two days later. So this form of convenience we see value in. That's right. And this comes from opera, operational, operationally understanding the human intent and aligning that with the brand oh, intention a as a promise. Yeah, that's a great way to, 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 share, to show how value comes from operations because those two are they're not often linked. I mean, operations, you think, oh, well, that's just their, how they're reducing their cost of sales. But you're saying, no, 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 that's, that's contributing to value in the front end. You're right. I get... We all get free shipping both ways on clothes and things right. that we buy online. And we try them on. We don't like them. We send them back. Hey, it's cheaper than getting in the car and driving to the mall, right? Yes, and it's a nice experience. Yeah. It's convenient. Do for, it in your own home. You got it. So I think oftentimes marketing professionals overlook operationalizing brands. I love that. I uh, had an unbelievable conversation with Jamie Richardson um, uh, at, over at White Castle and he said, Brad, you know, the, the, our, our brand is based on mobility. Our entire burger is based off mobility. The reason we have little cardboard boxes for our burgers is so you can take them with, them, with you and eat them. Wherever your life needs to be, whether it's a construction worker, whether it's a late night partier, the idea of a truly mobile burger comes from what operations this is all based on operations which is based on what productivity which creates what lean value for both the brand and the consumer that's great so i think more cmos should spend their times and i and i'll probably get a lash back for this but should spend their times with operate should spend a lot of part of their time understanding operations how can they create leaner functional shiftability in their products I know in some of our past um, uh, occupations that you and I have had, if we think back on that, operations did indeed influence how we went to market. And the more you can um, bridge that gap between operations and, 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 the, and the CFO side of the business with the CMO, the better you'll be in completing this step and the, the better your brand will be in creating value for the consumer. That's great. So step number four in our six steps of building lean lean brand growth is brand eyes. So how does brand fit in what may be quite a, quite a bit down the line, right? This mm-hmm. is step four. So explain why it's step four and not step one. 
And, and of course, it, it usually is step, it, it almost always is step one. But the idea is to re-input brand. So why we talked about, A, you begin at that moment of brand expression, then you look at brand experience, and from brand experience, we go to consumer or, or ec- brand expectation. And from that, we build, you know, um, these brands that matter. But the brand uh, though it starts the story, right? That's the great thing about branding. It begins the process. It starts the story. Have an idea uh, for a company, for a product. We're saying begin with a philosophy once you have that. Productize that into a portfolio of products that, 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 um, that, that makes sense to you and to the consumer. Then operationalize. Now go back and ask yourself, this brand that I built, how does it fit back into the company? How can I take this and expand it? How can I dimensionalize the brand in a way that isn't an esoteric philosophy, isn't just simply a product, but perhaps a uh, penetratable lifestyle that can be part of um, um, many facets of my consumer target or or many facets of... um, um, the marketplace and channels. So you want to go back in and by brand eyes, we mean, we mean to take that brand and say to yourself, what really matters? So I like what's happening here in these steps. I think it's, it's inherent in brand building and successful growth is the interrelation of all these pieces constantly. So the constant evaluation of how well is my brand being infused through operations? How well is operations infusing my brand? And on and on. It's this constant whirling dervish mm-hmm. of interrelationships of the steps of building a brand and i think that's a that's something that's uh, that's worth thinking about it is not just a linear one to six it's a circuitous or a, a virtuous circle of yes. one to six to one to six to one to six right right and this is why brand management right is so tantamount and why it was invented in the first place in cincinnati ohio um, and, and I have the original letter. I can't remember the name of the gentleman who wrote it, but he wrote a letter stating that perhaps we should have brand teams that are only aligned with the brands they proudly represent, invented, and brought to market. Um, though one would say that as time has gone on, that is very hard to keep lean. But the idea of it being focused and productive can can buy down that cost and, 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 and truly make brands lean if they understand who they are because they aren't jumping off here and there. Well, that's an interesting, that's very topical that you mentioned that because we saw yesterday a story published about how Adidas uh, is now splitting up their brand team into individual sports brand teams. So Nike has been doing this for a long time. <clears throat> Nike has... an an entire division devoted to golf. They have an entire brand division devoted to tennis. And they'll actually sponsor... They sponsor individuals rather than sponsoring whole categories, but they have very specific focuses there. Adidas has historically been one brand team or one brand agency that has focused on Adidas. Right. And now they're deciding that we want individual brand teams and potentially agencies to take our individual categories yes. and, and stars and focus on those. Now, the reverse of that is you get, we hear over the last week, P&G are divesting themselves of 50 or 100 brands and saying, no, we're coming back to having just a handful of brands instead right, of 50 right. to 100. So it's interesting the, the difference between those. Yeah, yeah, and it could be where they are in the marketplace. Um, and 
It could be where they are in the marketplace. It could be what. <laughs> my sneezing. We're not going to edit what, this out. Excuse me. What, <laughs> Stop laughing. What their uh, <laughs> what their current landscape and climate is. But you're now going to almost the next point, and and um, once that once that brand is brought back into operations, and we say here's how the brand's going to perform. Here are the three or four things we'd like to focus on in the brand, or maybe the one thing we want to focus on in the brand. Um, we would say that's the reintroduction of the brand, what we're terming brandizing, bringing it back into the process. But then the next point that I think you're hinting at is this idea of optimization. So the reason that Adidas is doing that is they are saying that, hey, we can optimize this brand right now in the here and now in the marketplace with the brand momentum we have if we actually invest and focus in key personnel only paying attention to this. So the idea of, uh, of optimizing or exploiting the brand at that moment, after it's gone through a, a philosophical um, um, perspective, it's now been productized, operationalized, and brandized, the, the next move would be, how can we optimize this? And what, what do we mean by this? This could be across channels. This could be across targets. This could be, um, how do we change, how, how do we bundle the, the brand in its own portfolio? Do we create line extensions? All these questions happen during the optimization phase of uh, this idea of practicing lean brand growth. That's great. So that's a lot of the activation of the brand in various marketplaces through various channels and understanding, like you say, the potential of line extensions and other new growth platforms because of how you've, because of how you've brandized and operationalized and productized. Right. And, 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 you know, oftentimes a brand will find a product feature, not just a product, but the product feature that they only saw as one of seven product features that made their overall tangible brand, brand product a wonderful thing, where in essence, they may say that single, that single product feature needs to be optimized. Let's only go to market featuring just that amenity, just that attribute. And then lastly, this idea of premiumization, um, and, and we're saying to premiumize the brand or premiumization. Premiumization, if you Google it with a Z, is actually... That's where I come from. Okay. <laughs> and um, if you do check it out, I, I, want, I encourage you to do so. Um, you'll see um, a number of articles on, on premiumization. And I don't know if the, I, I do think the word what was invented. I don't think it's a Webster, a Webster is, ism. Someone can correct me on that if it is, but, uh, I first ran across it with Diageo when Diageo was, um, creating, um, this idea of bringing brands together in a lean, in a lean brand platform to do what? to focus harder on the brands, thus optimizing, bringing brand teams around them, and increasing margin, finding new products that were even more expensive but more valued in the marketplace. So the, the end-all, be-all of lean brand growth is to get to a stage where you can say, I don't want commodity water. I don't want commodity liquor. I don't want the same car that has, you know, car to go. Um, but rather I want to premiumize or, or premiumize our offering. 
Um, and, and you'll see this, you know, I, I would say even mass merchants such as Target does a wonderful job of this by the products they carry and the quality of the products they carry. They are taking, we brought up that Walmart model earlier. They're taking that Walmart model that's based on being very smart and lean and they're actually building value by creating a premium essence to their product selection as a store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That is the goal. That is so, the goal. So following these six steps from philosophy to productization to um, uh, operations, brandizing, optimizing, and then finally this idea of premium, premiumization, um, Think about these six steps as steps as a, as a CMO or even a CEO that you can follow to make sure the brand is on track and to make sure that while it grows, you're checking back in to make sure that that growth is lean. So this has been chapter number eight of Storyhouse, the six steps of building a lean brand. Uh, I'm Barry Chandler. I'm here with my co-host, Brad Sarconi. This has been Storyhouse, the weekly brand and digital direction show for CEOs, CMOs, and business owners. If you've enjoyed this chapter, if you've enjoyed other chapters, please, please, please head over to iTunes and review this show so that others who discover us can understand what this is all about and whether you like it or not. That's going to help us grow and help us uh, keep delivering these great chapters to you week after week. So thank you all uh, for... uh, for listening we'll be back next week with chapter number nine